Guys, you're going to share their testimony. Y'all can go ahead and make your way up here while I make a few things. Uh, first of all, thank y'all for uh, just supporting us, uh, these students here, by whether you, your ties or your time this past weekend uh, made a very impactful uh, weekend, not just for us at Bethany, but for all the churches in this entire area. So uh, that's because of your prayers, your concerns, you wanting these students to have an impact that some of these kids are going to share for a few minutes, and then I'm going to wrap us up. So whoever is supposed to go first is you're up and running. Hi, my name is Drew Griffin. I am uh, famous for playing the guitar a couple of minutes ago. Um, I'm For most of you that, I'm assuming most of you don't know, um, I'm just going to talk like y'all don't know. I'm homeschooled. I'm a senior. Um, y'all are going to have to forgive me because this week I'm in a play and I've been very busy, so I kind of scrambled this together at the last minute. That shows where my priorities lie, I guess. I guess I need to fix that. <clears throat> Anyways, I've been homeschooled since kindergarten, and I've never had a problem with making friends, but I've always felt like I never fit in to some extent. And since I was young, I could always talk to anyone and be as friendly as possible, but it was always so exhausting because it felt like I was putting on a show in order for them to like me. And I've always envied the people who could be themselves and still fit in and make friends. Um, I wasn't nervous about D-Now this year. I was just kind of, I don't know, anxiously anticipating the weekend because I was scared that I was going to have to just drag along and, you know, put on this fake face to get through it. Not that I didn't enjoy it, but, you know, that's just how things go sometimes. Um, so this year, after our first session at D-Now, uh, we got to Mr. Ted and Miss Jenny's house. They hosted us. I'm thankful for them. Uh, they had all those teenage boys, and I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. But uh, we got there, and it was just four of us because majority of the boys – uh, teen boys who were coming to D now had just had a basketball game that night, so they're running a little late, and uh, I was so nervous. I, I don't know how to put it into words, but it was just, I was as nervous as you could possibly be, and I was sitting in the corner of the room, and I was racking my brain for things I could talk about or jokes I can make in order to make them laugh when they arrived. That sounds silly, but if I'm not talking, I'm usually thinking about what I'm going to say next. Um, about 30 minutes later, they arrived, and I was just silent in the corner while everyone was joking around me. Uh, something that, you know, another thing people don't know about me is that I like to make music. I post it on YouTube. This whole thing, kind of cheesy. But while I was sitting in the room, one of the boys asked me if I wanted, I'd been posting about a new song I was releasing that week, and he asked me uh, about it. And I had a moment where I thought they were mocking me, but they genuinely were asking me about it because these were genuine guys. And he asked me if I could play it in front of all of them. And I played it for them. And... It's silly, but when you play your music for other people, they'll listen and they'll be like, oh, okay, that's good. But they were like, they listened and they asked me like what the different lyrics meant because they genuinely wanted to know. And they asked me to get my guitar out and I played with them and they were like suggesting songs. And I I just can't verbalize how much that meant to me because music is, is so, so important to me. It's something that's helped me through a lot. And, um, and that was one of the first times in a long, long time where I felt like I actually fit in because I've always, always, that's been something I struggled with because I always felt like I was different from everybody. And I I felt like these guys were glad that I was there. They were glad that I was with them and laughing with them. And we laughed and we joked and we sung the whole weekend. My favorite, favorite part was even though we were all goofy and laughing and joking when we were at the host home or here at the church, 
when we got to op high school for the actual sessions, we like a switch flipped and we entered this mode of worship and our, our ears were open and our minds were open to God's word and what he had in store for us each night. And it was just so great to be able to laugh and joke with them, then go into those moments of worship and, you know, realize that these were my brothers in Christ and they were men of God and that we were, you know, growing together and learning. Um, a verse I want to share with you guys is Proverbs sixteen nine. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And that verse meant a lot to me that weekend because I had I had already figured out or like I had already thought I knew how that weekend was going to go. And God just completely flipped it around. I, I yeah, he, uh, he, we plan our way, but he establishes our steps. And that's something that meant a lot to me. Um, and I'm just so thankful that God was able to turn it around completely and establish those new friendships and relationships that I thought I would never have. Anyways, thank you guys. One of the things that he did was heal a blind man by by spitting in the dirt and creating mud and put it on his eyes. He told him to go wash his eyes in the pool of Siloam, and he came back being able to see. And peop and the peop and the religious le the religious leaders did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God, and tried to prove to the people that he was. Not God's son, but they didn't know that God could that God healed him physically and spiritually. We were all blind until that until we we were all blind until we met Jesus. He healed us spiritually to where we could know him. Hello, Bethany. My name is Grayson Thee, and I'm here to share about my experience at D-Now, about one of Rehab Graves' sermons. The sermon was in Acts 4.20. The sermon was about when you trust in Jesus, you should walk differently than when you didn't have Jesus. He used the analogy of a sneaker collector getting a new pair of sneakers, and when he wears them, he walks in them differently so he doesn't get creases in them. He does that to keep them in a new condition. So when you trust in Jesus, it should make you walk different than when you once did without Jesus. Lastly, I want to thank all of y'all for listening and all the people that helped with D-Now. Hello, my name is Destiny Wyndham, and this past weekend, February 10th and 11th, was D-Now. There were over 550 students and 22 churches from all over Covenant County. The first thing I want to tell you is that we have an awesome God. The week leading up to D-Now, and even at D-Now, everyone was praying that God would show up and show out, and he did exactly that. God was moving in lives of many students across Covenant County and is still moving and working. Now I will leave you with some points that stood out to me. Number one, the Bible is, filled with stories. It is not filled with stories and characters. It is filled with people and events, people like you and me. Two, we must give our everything to follow him no matter what anyone thinks of us. Three, 
He goes above and beyond for our sake to show us who he is. For we need to recognize he is worthy, and apart from him, we are worthless. Five, the same spirit that saved Jesus is at work within us. Six, there are some gifts we receive that change the way we walk, and the gift we receive is Jesus. Seven, we are not defeated, we are victorious. Oh, how powerful is that? Let that help you when you go through hard times that you are victorious and not defeated. Remember, the devil will always be there to tell you that you are defeated, but you are not, because you have Jesus Christ in your life. Finally, I will leave you with two verses from Colossians. Colossians 2, 6-7 says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Thank you. One more hand clap for all these students. For the time I have left, I want to share with you uh, a passage from Acts chapter 4. That was the, the themed uh, passage this weekend, was in Acts 4. There we go, that's better. Acts chapter 4. So the theme of this weekend was having faith that is relentless. And if, if nothing else from this weekend, the, the speaker there, his name was Recap Gray, he, his task, which he did, I think he did a very tremendous job, was presenting Jesus in such a way that if you meet Jesus, change will occur. If you meet Jesus, your faith should have action towards it. Your faith will be a relentless faith. And that when you meet Jesus, there must be a change in your life. And I, and I think he did a, a, a tremendous job here. And so I wanted to share with you from Acts chapter 4, kind of as both a a wrapping together of what all these uh, guys and girls have spoken about who Jesus is, uh, what he has done in their life, uh, the camaraderie, the community that Jesus brings among people, and kind of wrap this up as a challenge as well. So in Acts chapter 4, give me some backdrop to the story real quick before I open it up, is that Peter and John have seeing the resurrected Lord. They have seen miracles upon miracles upon what Jesus has done. They see him die. They see him be resurrected. They were with him for 40 days as he opened their minds to the scriptures. And then he said, the spirit is coming. And then the spirit does come. And then many people are saved. The gospel is being proclaimed throughout all of Jerusalem. And many people are saved. And then from that, in this story here, as Destiny said, these are real people with real events that really did happen. They're not just a mere fictional story in the past. This is an actual story of God moving in the lives of people in Jerusalem. That Peter and John go up into the temple a normal day, and they raise and they heal up. Sorry, they heal a man from lameness, and this creates such an, an outcry that Peter and John again had the ability to share the gospel once again as they did in Pentecost. And then because of that outcry, because of many people becoming saved, I think 4,000 is the number, might be 5,000, the religious leaders again 
come up to Peter and John and says, no, you can't be doing this. You can't be causing this type of outcry and stir. And so the intention here that the religious leaders, knowing that they can't deny the miracle, they can't deny it, but they just want to quiet Peter and John. I want you to, I want you to listen to Peter and John's response here, starting in verse 17, Acts 4. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and they charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So this is what Peter and John said. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, reverend to the God, you must judge. But we cannot, we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. I want to just sit here and let that statement sink in for a second. That Peter and John saw these things. They saw God working and they couldn't be silent about it. And so I want to draw three, just very, three very quick uh, uh, moments here of just devotional thoughts here just to think about this about what relentless faith looks like in our life today. The first and most obvious one here where Peter and John says they could not help but speak what they saw and heard, that we, relentless faith cannot be silenced. Relentless faith cannot be silenced. Your life has a story, just like Peter and John. You have seen God work in your life. You have seen God help you through things. You have heard of what Jesus has done in the past, what He's done in the present. The question I ask for you, are you silent about it? Peter and John could not keep quiet for what they've seen and what they heard. If you're a follower of Christ, are you silent about it? See, in the same way where Peter and John saw Miracles in your in their in their time, seeing the lame begin to walk, seeing the dead rise, seeing the blind to receive sight, the ones who had leprosy healed, the one who were sick healed, the one who had fevers healed. Don't for a second think that you don't have that type of story. See, Paul will tell us in Colossians that salvation itself is a miracle of God, it is a gift, a good gift of God. That, that Paul says that we are being rescued from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into his beloved son's kingdom. There is a miraculous act there. Are you silent about it? Are you allowed, do you allow people to be silent, silence you about these things? Do you allow the, the awkwardness of conversation, uh, the fear of rejection, when you talk to people or, or don't talk to people about your faith, talking to you about what God has done in your life, do you allow these fears in your life to silence you? Or do you see your faith as relentless faith and of what God has done in your life worth talking about? Do you care about your coworkers enough to talk about them? Hey, this is what God is doing in my life. This is what He's done in my life. This is what He can do for you in your life. He can change you. He can transform you like He's transformed me. Do you have relentless faith like that? Also, another thing here, relentless faith will change you. Relentless faith will change you. Think about this for a second. Peter and John were mere fishermen. 
the most average Joes of the people of, of, of the Israelites, the people of Jews. They were just everyday people. There was nothing special about them when Jesus called them. There was they had nothing to offer. They weren't the most. They weren't the smartest people in the world. They weren't the most intelligent people in the world. They didn't have degrees. They didn't have much education. They were normal people. Normal people. Look! Look at the boldness here that Peter and John have here. That their faith changed them this way. That their faith changed them. That there was action involved. That there was maturity involved in this. That they got to spend three years with Jesus, listening to his teaching. Listening to what he has called them to be. And their faith was rooted in, in the gospel of Christ. And it changed them in such a way that they leveraged their life for it. Instead of just, instead of just becoming fishermen, what does Jesus say? They, they are becoming fishers of men. Can you say the same about your life? This as a challenge, even to me as a pastor, what am I doing in my life to leverage my life for the sake of the gospel itself? What am I doing to leverage my calling, my vocation, to have a relentless faith because this is what God is doing in my life? Regardless of your job, your hobby, your role in life, what you've been called to, you've been called to leverage your life for His glory. And and don't even try to overcomplicate what I've just said right there either. I want you to think about this account here for a second. In this story in, in Acts here. Peter and John were just going out a normal day. If you go back to the very beginning of Acts 4 or, or in Acts 3, Peter and John went up to the temple like a good Jewish person was, Jewish would do in the middle of the day. And they saw this lame person and then they healed them. Very, very normal day. They were doing what they would normally do. You, yourself, you have a normal day, whether you go to school, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a doctor or a nurse or a lawyer or a mother or a father, a lawyer, a judge, whatever your vocation has called you to be, whether you work at a, a restaurant or you work at a gas station, whether it's normal life. This is normal life. Normal life. Same thing happened to me like it did last week. Normal life is where God has called us to be. Normal life is where God has called us to proclaim His glory. Don't think you have to do something special. Don't think you have to do anything differently with your life. Wherever God has placed you at. You want to know where you can serve God? Right where He's placed you at. You don't have to overthink these things. It doesn't have to be something special. It doesn't have to be anything overly complicated. Something as simple as just being a friend to your coworker, getting the opportunity to pray with your coworker, getting the opportunity to, to share your life with your coworkers or your students that are in the same class as you, or the children that you raise. God has called you to the simple life here and now to serve Him. You don't have to be some, it doesn't have to be some special calling. God has called all of us. If we have faith in God, we've been changed by Him, then it'll all be faith that's relentless in these ways. Relentless faith is also rooted 
in God's work in you. Relentless faith is rooted in God's work in your life. Just we talked about relentless faith has should not be silenced. Your faith will change you. But none of this will occur if it's not rooted in God's work in your life. I want you to think about this for a second. I was, you cannot change yourself. I want you to sit here and think about this for a second. You can't change yourself. I was I was telling the youth the past couple Wednesdays ago we're we're going through the book of Colossians uh, little by little and Paul is building his case of who Jesus is what he's come to do and how he's come to and he wants people to have everlasting faith he wants them to have faith that changes them but the way he roots when he gets into like how we're supposed to rid our life of sin he roots it in the fact that you can do this. Because you yourself have been changed by God. You, you're part of His people. You are part of His new creation. That you yourself, you can't look at the Bible itself. And if you, if you come to the Bible itself, oh, I agree with what the Bible says. It's, it's a good book. I agree with its moral statements and what it says about life. What it says about how we should treat people. If you come to the Bible and you don't see that you need Jesus yourself, then I'm sorry, but you've missed it. Because the purpose of all those things, one of the main purposes of all those things is to reveal to yourself, hey, like, I, yes, I agree with this moral code, this moral standard. I agree we shouldn't lie. I agree we shouldn't cheat people. I agree we shouldn't sleep around or with anybody that we want to. I agree that we should be faithful to our spouse. I agree that we shouldn't kill people. I agree we shouldn't steal if you come to the heart of the matter here and you realize that that's not you, that you haven't broken those things, that you need a Savior, then, and I'm sorry, but you, you have to deal with what Jesus has said, that no one can come to the Father except through Him. Your good works, are they mean nothing. You need God to change you. You need God. You're stuck in spiritual darkness. You need to be rescued out and transferred into His kingdom of light. Following Jesus is realizing that these morals in your life that you claim to be, you, you claim you can follow, you, you realize that I can't. You can't follow them. That you're not righteous. You're not holy. But you're a chief breaker and, and a rebel against God Himself. And you need His forgiveness. Because, see, what you can only offer God Himself is filthy rags. Your good works can equal up to what you have done in your life. Your good works don't mean you can follow a holy God. You need forgiveness in your life. You want to know how you have relentless faith? That's That's where it starts right here. It starts from the realization that you need God to save you. You want to know, you want to know about something to share with your, your coworker at work, your friends? Share about how God has brought you out of the pit, how He's saved you from your sin. He's changing you now. That's relentless faith. This, this, this is not complicated. But also I, I, I told youth last uh, Sunday morning as we were wrapping up and I wanted to give them like one last thought and I'm going to give you the same thing. I, I, when I, I pray, uh, 
I try and I pray for the students here because um, I think it's one of my jobs here on a regular basis. And one thing I, I, I told them I prayed them about is this, is that I, I pray that God would send them wherever, that their faith would take them wherever it may lead them. That's a very dangerous prayer to pray. Because I, I, I prayed the same thing for myself, that God would send me wherever he's placed me here. And I'm thankful he's placed me here. And I, I serve him. I love being here at Bethany. And I love for these students to be here. I, lo- I would love for them to grow up here and to be here and to, to raise families here. But I know that might not be the case for them. That relentless faith can send you to the nations. Because don't forget we're in Acts 4 here. Don't forget what Acts 1 says. That you would be my witnesses for from Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Relentless faith. It might send you somewhere you thought you would never go. That God might send you wherever you thought you would never go. But that could be to a different city. It could be somewhere just down the hall or down the street. But because we want to honor and glorify God with our lives, this is what relentless faith does. This is how God is changing us, does this. We would never do this of our own accord. It would seem foolishness, wouldn't it? That if we would just decide to pack up one day and and move to India just to live there, no one, most people would not do that of their own accord. But the ones who have been changed by God, knowing there is a need in India, that's the one who would. Knowing that there are people who need to hear the gospel in India, the ones who would go to their neighbor across the street, knowing that that's why I want to go. That's why I want to care about them. Go to other people who you don't even have any form of contact with, any way of life. Be purposely put yourself in their lives because you want to share the love of Jesus with them. That's relentless faith. I don't. I don't encourage you this morning. That's not you. You don't have a story of God has changed my life or how God is transforming you now. I would encourage you to to look within yourself, to look at what God's Word says and examine yourself. Say, am I a follower of Jesus? Or am I just, just a person who's walked his way into this church this morning who just does a ritual thing? I'm glad you're here. I'm glad God has, whether you realize or not, God has brought you here to this moment and this time to hear this message. And you have to wrestle with what it says. You have to wrestle with what God has spoken here. That God has called you to repent and believe upon Him. Because you might be in spiritual darkness, but God has, has done in such a way that He can transform your life into light. You might be walking in sin now, but God, through His power, through His death and resurrection, He he Himself can free you from your sin. That's you this morning. I would encourage you as 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 I finish praying, if you would come down and you would want to follow Christ this morning, please come. If you want to, if you need to ask repentance and prayer in your heart to, to God, that maybe your faith isn't as relentless as it should be, please don't do that without leaving. Let me let me pray for us as I close. Father, you are gracious to us. You show us mercy when we do not deserve it. Your word is truth. 
and life to our light. You shine through our darkness, Father. May our words, may our actions, may our deeds be glorifying to you in all that we say and all that we do. Amen.